You are listening to the Average Pundits Podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Hi guys and welcome back to the Average Pundits Podcast, your home of all things Premier League. And today we are talking about Tottenham Hotspur Club, which uh, topsy-turvy season. We'll be going through it uh, a little bit more in this breakdown and giving you our opinions, looking through some of their old results, some of the players they've signed, players they may need to sign. And, uh, you know, some interesting other quips along the way. But as always, I am joined with Reese. How are you doing, Reese? Hello. Yes. It's Tottenham Hotspur. They're a bit stinky, aren't they? <laughs> Hit and miss. Hit and miss with Spurs, I think. Hit and miss. Um, I think definitely um, it was it was jo- it was was Jose's first full season with, with Spurs uh, this year. So I think a lot of people had eyes on them very early on and were very interested to see where they were going to, how they, how they were going to lay, lay the team out. And I think there's been a, cu- a couple of injuries have set them back, but also there's just been some sloppy mistakes, which we will go on and talk about in, in some of the games. Um, but yeah, I think there's still a bit of growth needed to definitely get Spurs to the place where they can go. But um, let's talk about where things have maybe gone a bit wrong first, Reese. I mean, if we look at some of their recent games, they've not all been uh, not all been too rosy, have they? Well, I actually, first, before we go into those results, I actually kind of want to bring it back to something you just said and say it's Jose's first full season. Well, wasn't he signed like two months into the previous season? That's a fair point. I, th- I think he, he was. He was signed very early on, obviously, due to the sacking of Maurizio Pochettino. But I feel like it was almost quite harsh to judge him based off that season, as a lot of people would say. I mean, like he has to come in and make an instant impact because that's why they brought him in. But obviously, he's inheriting Poch's old squad. He's got a lot of the players which fell out of favour with Poch who are looking to, you know, bomb the new manager. And Mourinho's as controversial as they come. So I think it took a maybe a bit of adjustment time, and we we saw some players take to him, some players maybe not so much. But um, I think this season was the one where we fully had to look into it and think, okay, right, here's where Spurs are at. Definitely, and we also got an interesting documentary out of it, and we wouldn't be as entertained by the documentary if Pochettino was there. So that's why you bring Jose in. It's all about the money all about <laughs> and all about the views. Um, so yeah, let's go into into some Spurs diving. Uh, you know, it's it's not been a great season for them. Um, they, they kind of have a had a really below average season, in my opinion. I mean, they currently sit eighth, and you know, you put you put Spurs in in this season. You you kind of expected them to to to, to do better than eighth. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, they sit eighth behind Everton and West Ham, both of which have had phenomenal seasons. Let's be honest. Like Everton sat top of the table for a majority of the time. They sat in the top four. And West Ham are in the top four right now. You know, we just did a podcast. If you haven't listened to that podcast or watched that podcast, go back and watch it because we deep dive into the entirety of the West Ham squad and how, why they're doing so well. This is kind of going to be the opposite of that, why Spurs aren't doing so well. Uh, until they played Burnley, the, the game just gone, where it was you know, 4-0, they had some very uninspired form. You know, you look at the past 10 games and they had six... I think they had six really poor results. I think one of those was a draw with Fulham. And four, you know, four, four of those 10 games were wins, but they were very uninspired wins. You know, you had a win against, obviously you had the win against Burnley. You had a 2-0 win against West Brom, which you probably could have said they could have played better in. Uh, but apart from that, you got the 2-1 loss against, you know, the team I've just mentioned, West Ham. A 3-0 loss to Manchester City. A 1-0 loss to Chelsea, who again, aren't doing too well themselves. Uh, the one a one nil loss to Brighton, a three one loss to 
in Roy Keane's words, potentially one of the worst champion, like defending champions of all time in Liverpool. Um, I mean, I can't argue with that because we're doing awful as well. I mean, we sit what just 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 above Spurs, and we our form at the moment has could potentially be as uninspiring as them. So that's four 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 wins in the last ten games, and. If you're looking at a team like Spurs, who everyone should be predicting top four, that's poor. I don't know about you, Joe, but I think that for, that for me, that's poor. Yeah, I think that it's been a lot of missed opportunities and it's, you know, you you get one good result and it's all about keeping it up. And obviously, when we say it so many times, the Premier League is, is the most competitive league on the planet and, and clubs are there from lower down in the table to completely throw you off and to keep the the stability of your season kind of, you know, not, not on the right track you, you first wanted it to be. But if you look at some of the, uh, the Tottenham results, I mean, in the Europa League, they've been performing quite well, um, which is a positive sign. I think maybe you could look at the season and, and wonder if Jose got his eyes elsewhere because, I mean, you've got a League Cup final the, for, to, later to be played against Manchester City, which is going to be a maybe a bit of an uphill struggle. They're going to um, lose that. I think they're going to lose that as well. I, I also think that, in a sense, they've almost been robbed of momentum because they, they got to the League Cup final in very good form. But if they would have, because they obviously they pushed the League Cup final back in the hope to get in fans in, which I think was very, you know, it's, it's looking now maybe, but it, it could still be very wishful thinking. But if they would have kept it around at the time that they were originally planning to play it and Spurs had this run of form, we could have seen a, a much more interesting game. But obviously we're hoping to see Sun fully fit, Kane fully fit in that game. So it could be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a fruitful game at the time, but I still worry about Spurs in that. But I 100% agree with you. I think at the moment it's it's missed opportunities in some of these games. But I mean, even if he is focusing on the League Cup in Europe, it is it is a shame because they they have a squad which are capable, especially in the current season we're in, to finish in the top four. And I, I'm wondering if that is going to happen. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the cup fight. There was a funny video I watched the other day, and it was um there was a guy that's not interested in football, but he knows how to make money off it, and he just bets on Spurs not to win a trophy every single year and it works out so wow. it's 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 a, it's a simple bet Spurs don't win trophies and that's kind of been the norm they like to compete for trophies they get hard you know they get 90% of the way and then it's an instant drop off and that's going to be the league cup this year uh, whether they can win the Europa League I don't know uh, you know they, they they won what was it 4-0 against a bunch of farmers against Wolfsburger so <laughs> you know it's I don't know where it's going wrong for Spurs. Maybe it's their defensive displays or maybe it's their lack of attacking output other than those two players that they've got up front. Yeah. Well, let me throw a few players at you because there's some players I was kind of thinking of which could be part of the problem. I mean, I think the evident issue mainly with Spurs at the moment is the defensive woes. And um, I'll start talking about Eric, Eric Dyer before I go too much into it. At first, you're looking at the near to the start of the season. He's deep like their best player. He, he was in esteemed form, you know, and... and he was looking like the kind of player which he was a few years back. And when he was fighting to get into that England team, strong, commanding, you know, and, and, and there was there was good partnership there. He was playing alongside Vero, then he was playing alongside Sanchez, but he was the one who looked competent. But now again, maybe the confidence has gone again. And and he's got he's he's going up against obviously Toby Alderweireld has been one of the best centre backs in the Premier League for the past decade realistically and if you look for the, the, the past 10 years whilst he's been at Spurs and he was also performing at Southampton he has been an extremely prominent defender for Spurs so 
I think maybe a, a few seasons ago, they missed a chance on getting a big fee for him, especially with his increasing age. But he stayed at Spurs and, you know, they, they can benefit from his experience. But Davin Sanchez was going to be the, the torchbearer, wasn't he, to come into this now. And I remember going back all the way to the Europa League final where, where United played Ajax. And, and, and that was, you know, an extremely dominant display from United to win that, that tournament. But that Ajax team was so young and a lot of the players we've seen from that team have gone on to do great things. But Davinson Sanchez was one of those players that I was watching thinking, wow, this guy is going to be special. He was, the, I think he was the best person for Ajax in that game. When Spurs got him, I was, I was furious. I was thinking, how on earth has that gone under the radar? How have they got him? But, you know, what's the rest of the league's loss of Spurs' gain? But again, there's questions about Sanchez as well. I, I'm not sure maybe whether he would benefit from leaving Spurs or he needs another commanding centre-back to, to be solidified to play with him in that role because I still think out of everyone that Spurs have got one of the out of, out of those three defenders that I've, I've, I've mentioned Davinson Sanchez has the, the most potential to be that solidified centre-back pairing with somebody else but you know who that could be we'll talk about a bit later on but Davinson Sanchez and, and Eric Dyer, defensive issues there, Reese. I don't know what your opinions are of those guys. The thing is, right, I I, I, I do see the argument for, for the centre backs being to blame for the for a lot of the you know a lot of the defensive woes. But you look at that Spurs team and who did they bring in? You know, they brought Sergi Regulon in and you know Real Madrid have got a buyback clause clause just in case he plays really well and mm-hmm. you know they can bring him back at some point. So I think they've got a really good defender there. But then you look at the right side and who they brought in. They've got Serge Aurier still there. And you've also got Mac Doherty, who just came from Wolves. And he hasn't really integrated into the team at all, let's be honest. He has been probably one of the biggest flops of the season, uh, probably with another Spurs loanee that came in. Um, but yeah, I think Mac Doherty has, has just come in and, and not done much with the squad. I think he's as much to blame for the defensive woes as you know say an Eric Dyer would be and yeah. I, think, I think that for me I think it's Eric Dyer and Matt Doherty because if you if you have these two centre-backs they could be fantastic but if you look at previous teams if you don't have a great right back or a great you know great wing backs to to cover for you then you're not gonna you're not gonna have that defensive output that you want because mm-hmm. you can't just rely on your two centre-backs to do all the defending if you don't have right backs that are tracking winger runs or left-backs that are tracking when the wrong runs, then you're going to be allowed to be attacked from both sides. And yes, it's all good and well not allowing strikers to come through the middle, but if you get ta- attacked from the wings, say that 3-1 uh, loss against uh, Liverpool, attacked straight from the wings. You know, who's going to stop Sadio Mane? Serge Aurier? Matt Doherty? Not a chance, because they don't have the pace to keep up with him. So I think uh, I think for me, um, not only does it, re- you know, the, the blame lies on Dyer. I think more should be should be magnified onto onto Matt Doherty. I think it's an interesting point to highlight because obviously the the main reason they brought him in, and when they brought him in, I was thinking, okay, that's a that's a tactical decision. You know, he's a more forward progressing player who's been playing under Nuno, who is one of the managers who's, who's revolutionised attacking fullbacks in the Premier League. He's he's part of of, of that kind of wave. Um, but obviously he, he, he comes in with that current mindset and the, the person they had before was obviously Serge Aurier who wasn't consistent enough and that was part of the reason they were looking to bring in a new right back 
And it was Doherty's poor form, which kind of gaslighted Aurier and made him... Yeah, because this is the thing. He has a few games where he, he, he plays really well. And then he has uh, he goes back to the typical Aurier, which, which you see people criticise him for. And he just seems reckless and he's just not looking at, at what's happening around him. So similar to the, the, the Shaw and Teller situation at United, I think they bought in this player and then he kind of gaslighted the other one. But now they've kind of both fizzled and they're both kind of in this grain of the normal Aurier we're used to. And a Matt Doherty, which just hasn't hit the heights. So I, I, I agree with you that I feel like he hasn't integrated well much at all. I mean, he's 28 as well, so he's in the prime of his career. I thought he was a bit younger than that. But, you know, 28 years old. Um, the other the other centre-back they brought in, which obviously we'll talk more about in the signings, was um, was Joe Roden, and, you know, 22 years old from Swansea, Welsh international. There's, 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 he needs to grow, doesn't he? There's, there's more to him. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of future investments. So it's like uh, when Liverpool bought that in that that kid from uh, I can't remember. I think it was Preston. I can't remember his name. He's very unmemorable because I think I, I went through a point of hating those those, those signings at that point. And um, but yeah, I think I think there's a lot of building for the future. You know, you got Juan Foyth in there as well, who's not ready to be integrate integrated into that team, but he's hyped massively. And um, as a young player, I don't see why he's been hyped so much as he's not been able to get into the Spurs team as of yet. But we'll have to see if he can get into that team but yeah I think I think he's going to be one of those future builds where he's going to be fitting into that Spurs well they're hoping he's going to be able to fit into that Spurs team uh, at a later date yeah well um, in terms of defensive errors that's been the main kind of area I mean um, not so much a, 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 a problem position but obviously Hugo Lloris isn't getting any younger so goalkeeping issues I think is something they need to focus on in the future but um, one specific player in the midfield who has been causing, not causing, but, but, but generating quite a lot of talk, I'd say. Before we get into this specific player, I want to highlight, because I, I have a very, I think I know where you're going with that, and we highlighted it before the podcast started. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to move, move from the midfield to the attack, because I think there is a bit of a problem there in their attacking output. Not with Kane and Son, though. That's the thing, okay? So mm. I just want to highlight their attacking output and where it's going to improve, okay? Because okay. it's been proved that Spurs can score goals at the beginning of the season. Yeah. But we look at the rest of the team. Son and Kane can't do all the work, let's be honest. No. Son and Kane this season have been absolutely unreal. Both of them combined have 27 goals. The rest of the team have 14 the second, the third highest goal scorers behind, I think it's Harry Kane, is Gareth Bale or Tangi Ndombele or Lucas Moura. All of those on three goals mm. compared to, I think it's Kane's 13 or it might be Son's 13. Yeah. That for me is a huge reason why, because they're not being able, they're not being able to create any goals. Harry Kane from striker is creating a lot of the goals. I don't, I'm not sure how many assists he's on at the moment. But he hit mm. 10 very close to the start of the season. We were talking about this on a previous podcast about the, the dynamic duo of Hyunmin Son and Kane. Again, go and go back and watch that. Mm-hmm. It's it just shows this the Spurs side are relying on Kane and Son. Yeah, they brought Gareth Bale in. And you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go on to talk about him a bit later. But he's been a, a, just poor. Just I can't find any other words than poor. You know, they, they haven't got any other output. You know, Lucas Moore has been pretty tragic this season. He hasn't been at his best. 
you know, he's he's always going to be glorified in in the, in the in Spurs fans' eyes because he scored that glorious goal to take them to the Champions League final. Yeah, you know, and and they've got. I think is Eric Lamella still there? I'm not. Eric Lamella is still there, and very I'm present. Not, I'm not even too sure because he's doing nothing at the moment. You know, the last thing I remember him doing was scoring a Rabona in one of the cups. Like, there's no mm. he, he. There's no attacking output from him. I don't think he plays anymore. And I think I think Giovanni Lascelso holds a good good role in the midfield, but. In terms of going forward, I don't think he offers that that much. So, in terms of attacking, I, I just wanted to raise that point before we go on to the next problem child in the Spurs team. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I do definitely see where you're coming from because they, they can't be reliant on Kane and Son alone because their injuries do come up. And you see when, more or less, when, when Kane's injured, obviously when Son's there, it's when one of them's there, but when Kane's injured, they all seem to just crumble now. Um, there were times I think they brought it to the Champions League run. They were saying, "Oh, I wonder if Spurs played better with Kane because we Spurs play better without Kane, rather because we did see some good performances there." But now it's he is no doubt in anyone's mind he's the focal point of the team. Um, so I feel like there are definitely questions to be asked there from their attack. And like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, yeah, definitely, I think you knew the direction I was going to go in. Um, he's been generating a lot of talk. Um, Deli Ali. Um, Started in Mourinho's good books, then kind of fell out of Mourinho's good books. And now I don't even know what book he's in. You know, he's <laughs> he came out, he scored that absolutely ridiculous um bicycle kick the other day. I think I think that was in the in the Europa League. But and then that was that was a beautiful goal. But um he seems to be out of favor at Spurs and he, he's still he's only 24. Um he's not a young player anymore, he's in the the the, the golden years of his of his playing career, um, but young enough to still attract interest and potentially get a move and the club that was generating a lot of hype for him was was PSG uh to link go and link up with with Maurizio Pochettino again which I think w- would have been an interesting move for him but um Deli Alley well what, what do you think about Deli Alley so uh, I've done quite a bit of a deep dive into Deli Alley um you know starting with his you know he had a fantastic couple of seasons in a row um I think it was the 15-16 season where he started to finally shine and then he came in 16-17 season and had an amazing, you know, bright spark to him. You know, he looked like he was going to lead the Spurs team into the new into the new half of the year. He was going to lead them into the new decade, that you know, the twenties, as we, you know, as 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 that shining light, the the next England, sh- you know, glimmer of hope. This was, I think, this was maybe slightly before Marcus Rashford, maybe, um, you know, before Marcus Rashford was starting to make it. So he was the glimmer of hope. Him and Raheem Sterling were like the two golden boys of the English era. And it was great to be you know, coming off the back of the, you know, the Euros in 2016 and going forward into this World Cup where it was so good. You know, every, everything in England was great. Deli Alley, you know, he had a pretty good World Cup as well. I think he, I think he played a, a couple of good games. Ever since that World Cup has stopped, Deli Alley has also stopped because his, his motor just, it seems to be running, but there's nothing on the gas mm-hmm. at the moment. There's no... There's no foot on the pedal at this point. Uh, he's been he's been below average at best for me, anyways. Uh, this season he's made seven appearances. Six of those have been off the bench. Yeah. And I think you know we, we saw we saw in the doc in that documentary, uh, you know the, you know, the 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 documentary on Amazon Prime. Jose Mourinho outright said that Deli Ali was lazy, and I believe him. I believe that Deli Ali is one of the laziest people in the world. Not only because of yeah, I think he just doesn't have the manager to bring it out of him. 
Whereas Mauricio Pochettino was that guy to believe in him and bring this out of him. Deli Ali was starting to slow under Pochettino. I think that's just because his game was changing and he just he's lacking that motivation to ca- to carry on. Um, I think I think that I, I, don't, I just don't think that Jose's not a big fan of him anymore. He's not. A f- I think Jose knows when there's a big talent. You know, he believed in Marcus Rashford when he was at United. He believed in in Martial. He believed in all these young players. Uh, did Greenwood get a start under Mourinho? Uh, Greenwood was, get, was getting a lot um, his game from Mourinho. Yeah, he, he he believed in Mason Greenwood because he saw star talent, and I think that Deli Ali kind of hit his peak too early, and he's suffering. He's not getting the game time for me. I think it's gonna. He either needs to get a better work ethic. Or he's going to have to get a transfer away to, to a manager that's going to get this hard work out of him. Yeah. No, I, I think, as, as we mentioned before, PSG were the club that would, were being linked to him. And I think that would be a good move. I think he goes in and links up with uh, Maurizio Pochettino again. He would know how to get the best out of him because he played him the best football of, of his career under Pochettino. Um, definitely towards the end, um, relationships were frayed. I don't think just with Ali, I think with the whole squad. But maybe it is a move out of the Premier League, slowing down a little bit, going to a, an already successful club, but having the tools around you to, to enable the, the player that you can be. I mean, we saw a lot of um, ex-Premier League players go over there in recent years. You've seen Ander Herrera from United, Idrissa Gay from Everton. There's loads of players that can go over there and, and generate success, um, being incorporated in that PSG midfield. So I think it would be a smart move for him. I, I, I think that that could be something we see in the not-too-distant future. So I think it's a really interesting breakdown you've done there. But, I mean, I want to move on now to kind of discussing some of the players that they brought in in the summer because uh, I've got the whole list just turned down to the side of me here. Um, in terms of actual arrivals, there was a fair amount. There was more than I actually suspected on face. I believe there was eight, eight arrivals into the club, which they actually paid a fee or they managed to bring in and, and loans or negotiated a fee for. In terms of um, how much they actually spent, it was actually ninety nine point four five million. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. And I've, I thought of an interesting game for these transfers. Okay, so you're going to list them off, okay, mm-hmm. and I'm going to rate them out of ten. Right, and their time okay. in Spurs so far. Okay, interesting, interesting. Well, I think that will be interesting. Let's play the rating uh, game. This could be a, a new feature <laughs> on the podcast. We'll go from the top down then. So we'll talk about, uh, it's a little bit of a cheat signing because he was already there, but the, the fee came in during this summer, so it does count. Uh, Giovanni La Celso, the um, Argentine central midfielder, only 24 years old. Uh, I think they paid 28.8 million for him, which I think was a very good fee. Yeah, in terms of fees, it was great. you know. And, and in, in terms of his you know, output as well, he's not done bad. He's not been the sole focus of anyone's blame. I think he's been one of the most consistent players for Spurs. Let's be honest, like behind Son and Kane, he's been one of the ones that's been playing well. He's been one of the ones to rely on. He's doing a lot of the passing. And yes, his defensive work isn't, isn't where it should be for a central midfielder, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not the worst. You know, there, yeah. are, there are a lot of worse players in, in that Spurs team than Giovanni Lo Celso. So for that fee as well, uh, for me, I think he gets a good seven out of 10 so far. Like yes, Spurs haven't, haven't been too great, but I don't think any of that blame can, can lie on Giovanni Lo Celso. Yeah, I agree. I think he's one of their more prominent players and, and, and a good acquisition and, and experienced as well. So I think I'd agree there. 
Um, moving on, um, Sergio Regulon, t- only 23 years old from Real Madrid, 27 million price tag fee, generating a lot of hype. Um, Spurs were very good to get him, but obviously that buyback call still remains. Um, in terms of uh, the actual player himself, I wonder how you think he's done for Spurs. I think that there's a lot of room to grow there. You know, he's, he's, he came from Real Madrid, so he's, get, he's definitely going to be a fantastic player. And, you know, whether, whether, Sp- whether, whether Spurs can keep hold of him, whether Real Madrid can buy him back, uh, what, I'm not sure. I'm not too sure on on buyback clauses and how much Real Madrid are going to have to spend for him, but uh, to get him back. But Spurs could make a tidy profit off this if they do, and if not, they're stuck with a very good player. I think this is this is the same with Giovanni Lascelles. I don't think that any blame lies within within him. I think that he's performed very well, and yeah. I think I think that he's been able to keep the Spurs defense from conceding even more goals. You know, yeah, they conceded three against Manchester City, but so did you know Liverpool conceded four. So it just shows that you know, you know, him being put into that team has has, has got you know a few few less goals. And I think that, but for for me, I think there is a lot of room to grow. I think it could be the same, like maybe like a six, seven out of ten for yeah. me for Regulon. Yeah. Um, moving on again, we've already spoke about. Um... This guy, um, I, I totally agree with you on, on terms of regular as well. I think he's been a very good player for them so far and definitely room to grow. Uh, Matt Doherty at right back, uh, 15.12 million spent to Wolves. So it's not it's not too bad of a bad of a fee, you know, 15 million from Wolves. But then mm. again, you like what do you expect when you're buying someone that's 28 years old from a club that's not inside the top six, you know? Yeah. I put that in for you know, in in quoted, you know, because there isn't a top six. Say there's a you know the lesser team in Wolves, and you know Matt Doherty's come from there. He's 28. He's not getting any younger. He's hitting the peak of his career, and he's just mm-hmm. not playing well. You know he, there was a reason why he started off in the Championship with Wolves in the first place. You know, so I think for me, uh, it, it it's a it's a tricky one because he hasn't played well at all. Let's be honest. Him and Serge Aurier are the worst in terms of depth at the right back position that you could ask for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think in terms of rating, maybe like a three, like two to three out of ten. Yeah, I think I think that that's kind of fair, based on the the current assessment of how he's done so far in the season. Um, moving on to a player which I think I remember at the time I described as a bit of a nothing transfer, but he's been one of Spurs' most prominent players this season at, at different points in time. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg from Southampton. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a really, really big glimmer of hope for them at the moment. You know, uh, as soon as they signed them, I was like, really? Is, is this the central defensive midfielder that let in four, you know, let, let in nine against Leicester last season? Mm. You know, um, but I mean, you look at that, uh, that, that result against Manchester United and it definitely wasn't his fault. So you kind of have to look at him and, and be like, yeah, he's been one of Spurs' best players this season. Uh, I think, yeah, maybe behind just, just above also there um you look at a player like harry kane and son that are doing the attacking at work hoiberg is the, is the one midfielder that's actually pressing defensively so for yeah. me he gets a so far that he has a lot of room to grow so i think he gets an eight out of ten yeah no again he's been one of the more prominent players and i think there was um there was there was real hype around him at southampton for so long obviously they're bringing him in from it was by munich originally um, and, uh, you know, only 25 years old as well. So he's still so young. So we still, uh, you know, in the prime of his career, we still got loads of time to see him grow. But 14.94 million. What a fee to get him for as well. 
Um, but moving on, uh, Joe Roden, the uh, 22-year-old Welsh international, 6.3 million from Swansea. Um, oh, sorry, I, I, I stand corrected by that. 10.9 million from Swansea. Going up a little bit more there. Still not, not too much they spent on him, but, you know, um, a, a room-to-grow player, I think we said. For, for a player that's, that's not going to start, 10 million is a bit of a fee, especially when you're paying just 5 million more for a player that's going to be starting in that right-back position prominently. Mm. You look at Matt Doherty, they paid 15 million for him, and 5 million less will get you a promising centre-back. Yeah. So... Um, he's young. I think that I'm going to give him a rating based on if he can grow because this can this signing rating can go upwards or downwards. I think in terms of the fee, it's brought that down a bit. So I think I'm going to go for four out of ten, but that could grow depending on how he grows as a player. Yeah. Um, moving on again, Carlos Vinicius from Benfica, 25-year-old striker. Uh, the, the deal is is at the moment, it's it's only a loan to Spurs right now, but I think it might be of an obligation to buy. I'm not massively certain on that, but um, Carlos Vinicius, we've mainly seen him uh, in uh, in Europe and, and, and other competitions, but he's he's done all right. When he's, he's, he has scored goals when he's come off the bench. Yeah, uh, he's good in terms of, I think Spurs needed that strength, strengthening in depth at striker. I think that that was what they needed. And I think that you know, last season we saw that Spurs weren't getting a lot of goals when Harry Kane wasn't on the pitch, and that's that's something that they needed to work on. Vinicius is a very promising player. I think uh, I think he's a pretty young player still, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think he's only like 20, 25, I think. There we go. So I think he's still got a lot of room to grow, and it would be nice to see him bag some goals against some teams that aren't, you know, DIY specialists on the weekends. Um, but. Yeah, and, and maybe seeing him, you know, have some promising starts in the Premier League. So we'll have to we'll have to see what he gets. I think for me, it's a five out of ten. But again, with room to grow. You know, a specialist. I don't know how that got me. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Nick Knowles and six-minute makeovers. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, another player they brought in. Uh, this one doesn't really offend me too much. I thought it was a bit like um okay, but it, it's fine. Uh, Joe Hart um, on a free transfer from from Burnley. 33-year-old goalkeeper now, um, substitute goalkeeper. I don't really see much issues with that. It's exactly what Liverpool did with Adrian from West Ham. Um, he wasn't he, Joe Hart was not going to get used at Burnley. You know, they got Nick, Nick Pope, who is a very, very good goalkeeper. Uh, could be worth in England. I think he I think he at the moment he could be England's number one. Could well um, be. Or, or maybe, you know, Pickford might have that now that Everton are picking up some form, but uh, Nick Pope is definitely in there. And I think Joe Hart, this was a good move for him as well. He'll get some really good game time in the Cups. Uh, I think he's had a, a couple of good displays in the Cups so far as well. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's, a, it's it's where they needed to strengthen. And I think that it was a smart decision. So, in terms of Joe Hart, I think he gets a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I agree. Harmless signing, really. Um, I think um, Spurs have always had pretty good backup keepers. If you look over the years, so Michel Vaughan, um, Gazzaniga was good as well um, and, and Joe Hart added to that list so definitely good for depth um, and the last player to talk about um, yeah it's the loan transfer for Gareth Bale um, he's come on he scored goals um, he's been injured as well then he also hasn't been coming on 
I think in all in overall you have to rate it lower. I think I'd put it personally at around a four because I don't think it's fantastic at all. And I also don't think they should make that deal permanent. I think that would be terrible business to make it permanent. In terms of hype, you got you, you know you have to give them a ten out of ten for hype. That's about yeah. it. Um, you know, you know, the, the boy wonder coming home, you know, the, the guy that sparked magic for Spurs, the first qualification for the Champions League was because of, of this Welsh dynamo. Mm. Goes over to Real Madrid for at the time the the the, the new world record fee. Yeah, just after Cristiano Ronaldo, I think it was a what was it eighty five million. Yeah, I think it equates that in in in, uh, in Sterling. Yeah, yeah. So you look at that and you're like, oh my god, you know he's coming, he's coming back. He's had a really bad spell at Real Madrid because he's not getting played. And you know, we were thinking maybe it was just Zidane that didn't like him. Comes on in the Champions League in 2017, 18, and scores an absolute blinder. Of a of a wonder goal, you know, of a bicycle kick against Liverpool, mm. and you know, so we were like, oh, this is what he can do. Comes to Spurs, and he's had a very average average time. He's not; he's probably been below average, average actually, for a guy like Gareth Bale. People are thinking that he's going to come back and work wonders. You know, he's going to come back and get into his old form. He's not what he once was. He doesn't have the pace. He's inj- injuries have taken a massive toll on him, and it just shows that. You know, yes, he's been on the bench at Real Madrid, but that's just because he's out of favour. But when he's gone on, he's played really well. So yeah. People are oh, he's coming to the Premier League, but people seem to forget that the Premier League is much better than La Liga. So, in your face, Spanish people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think for me, Gareth Bale has been very... I can't even say disappointing because I don't expect a lot from him. Mm. So, I think I think for Gareth Bale, it, will, it was a chance to show that he could have a career resurgence. But I think that I don't think Spurs are going to be looking to sign him on a permanent deal. So for me, you said a four, I say a, a, a two. Two. That's fair enough. I can see, I can see your reasoning there. Um, but yeah, so an interesting selection of players they brought in. And obviously, like I said just before, just under 100 million spent. And I think the signings that they brought in, it's really hit and miss. For every like two good ones, there's a bad one. And it, it's been like, the majority of them have been, have been quite good. I think about 60-40. But you know, in order to progress, especially to, to going forward next season to get to where they want to go to, they're going to have to improve. So we uh, come up with a few different players and a few different areas where we're going to uh, discuss what Spurs could improve. Uh, if I highlight my problem areas, then you highlight yours. I would love to hear who you've got signings um, in, in your list to go for first. But in terms of the problem areas that I wanted to fix as, as, as a priority for Spurs right now, I've gone for the centre-back position and I've also gone for the right-wing position. I could have thought maybe about doing something in the, in, in the centre, but I think right now, I'm, that's where I'm going to be focusing my attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the centre-back position is definitely what, what was needed. I think they could improve on the right-back position, but I don't think there's any like right-back like teams that would be willing to sell their right-backs just because of how reliable teams like players now on the, on the, on those right back positions. So I think I'm, I'm going to stick to, I think I actually might stick to those, because I think those problem areas are that center back and that, and that right wing position. Those, those are the key areas, you know, Lucas Moura hasn't been too great this season and yeah, Eric Dyer probably needs to get shifted out of that center back position. So I think I'm with you there. Yeah. Well, who are some players that you're thinking of then? I'll let you go first. I'm very interested to hear who, who, who you're thinking. So I have, I have one, in the centre-back position. I think we should start with the centre-back position. I'll go centre-back yep. and then I'll, I'll, we'll hear yours. So for me, um, well, first of all, I was thinking, you know, go big, 
go, someone in their, you know, about to hit their prime, you know, 26 years old, uh, Alessio uh, Romanoli from AC Milan. But, you know, they had a very good start to the season, but they've kind of mellowed out a bit. And in terms of who is performing, the, you know, as one of the best centre-backs in the world at the moment, you look at these teams that are winning aerial battles, they're getting the tackles blocked, and, you know, someone that actually could handle the ball from the back. And I've gone with a very young, promising Brazilian centre-back from, uh, I think, Sevilla. And that's Diego Carlos. And his market value is about $45 million, and it's going to take a lot of money to pry him away from Sevilla, let's yeah. be honest. And I, per 90, he's got 2.62 aerials won per mm. 90, uh, 1.96 blocks per 90, and an a percentage of a pass completion percentage of 88.8% from the back that includes long passes and you know just passing to the midfield i think for for a center back someone that's promising as him would slot in a dream he's also extremely quick for yeah. a center back i think for me he would slot in a dream next to toby aldevaro mm. yeah um that was someone i was looking at as well that's yes. something else. Um, yeah, it's, it's good, great minds think alike, clearly. Um, <laughs> right, 27 years old, still still young, but I think definitely in the, in the, in the kind of the prime years of his career. But right now, that centre-back pairing at Sevilla of um, Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos is pretty formidable. So I think I, I, I could have said Jules Koundé as well. Um, only 22 years old, but... I think Spurs, a bit like kind of what you said, they, they need someone to, 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 to kind of generate a lot coming forward from the back. But they also need a leader. I, I, I use this mold, this mold it's it's so unique, it's, it's going to be hard to find. But like, like how Liverpool have a captain in Henderson and a vocal leader at the back in Van Dijk who can control the, the, the um, narrative of the team and can gain the respect of his players. That's what I feel that they need. So Diego Carlos was somebody I had a look at, but the one that I've been focusing on quite intensely is Milan Skriniar from Inter Milan. Um, now Spurs have been linked with him prior. Um, Jose Mourinho, I, I think, is understood to be quite a big fan. He, he was interested in him whilst he was at United, and you know he's followed that interest through to Spurs as well. I think another one of the players he was very keen on was Ruben Diaz, and. They let him slip through their fingers. United let him slip through their fingers. He's gone to City and he is one of the best players in the league. Let alone, obviously one of the best centre-backs, if not the best centre-backs this season, but one of the best players in the league as well. Um, but Milan Skriniar, 26 years old. He's very vocal at the back. He's a powerful, experienced defender. Um, he's ranked, ranked around 50 million euros. So it, it would cost quite a lot to get him out of Inter Milan because... Clubs have already tried. I think I think even Real Madrid have tried, and Inter are like, no, no, you're going to have to pay a lot more than 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 what you've just said. So, I think if they want to tempt him, they're going to be looking at around spending, in my opinion, sixty to seventy million, which is an awful lot of money, especially for Spurs. They might have to break their current record for Ndombele. Um, but I think a lead is what they need and Skriniar someone who I think would be a really good choice. But Diego Carlos was my number two. So it's clear that great minds do think alike. Um, well, why, why do you think we've got this show? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. And there were some, there were other players in my list 
that were more of a younger de- from a younger demographic. I had Jules Koundé, I had Pau Torres at Villarreal as well, another really interesting young player. Um, and then also I went to the Bundesliga and looked at Edmund Tapsoba, I believe his name is. Um, from not, Leverkusen, yeah? From Leverkusen, yes. Uh, not too familiar with him myself, but again, a young talent um, performing well in the Bundesliga this year. But it's the leader role that I want to see at Spurs for, for, for progression. So my between Skriniar or Diego Carlos, I think those guys could come in and make a really good, uh, a really good impact. But we were mentioned right wingers as well. Yeah, I, th- I think I want to hear yours first because I'm I'm still ooming and ahhing about mine. Okay, well maybe I should first elaborate a little bit before I go in and say who I'm who I'm thinking of. Um, this season, um, again, I'm going to wait for the context. This season. It's looking more likely than not that, that Jaden Sancho could be a risk of leaving. I think that they have to. They have to throw their hat in the ring for him because he had a very slow start to the season and now he's picked right up. And him and Haaland, again, one of the most formidable duos in, in Europe in their own respective leagues, absolutely shooting all over the park. So I think they'd be stupid to not actually invest in a player like Jaden Sancho, they should throw their hat into the ring, show some ambition. He's also a London boy as well. That could tempt them, but that was more of a wishful thinking um, signing. If they're looking at tempting in a right back, uh, right winger to come into the club, there's a few other ones which sprung to mind as more realistic signings for me. Um, at Sassuolo, there's Domenico Berardi, um, a Sassuolo player, stroke Juventus player, then back to Sassuolo. Um, he's somebody who knows how to score off the right. He's 26 years old. He can add to that attacking contribution. And he, he, he almost kind of like cuts in closer to play as that second striker. So I think that could be quite interesting. A, a front three, which also are scoring goals, could be very interesting. But the one that I've, I've kind of highlighted as well as another potential... It's a little bit more of a risk, but I think it could be, be be an option. I actually mentioned him, I think, in the Wolves build, in the Wolves rebuild episode, Leon yeah. Bailey. Yeah. Who, again, a left winger I've known him as, but I think also plays over on the right. I've mentioned all of my reasons why I think Wolves should get him, if you want to check it out in the, in the previous uh, podcast for Wolves. Um, but I think he is a really good player, and I think he could still come into the Premier League and do an awful lot. If you're looking at Bailey as well, you're spending around thirty-five million pounds, I think, and then Berardi around thirty. So you're going to be spending similar fees, but there'll be room to left to spend. Hopefully, if Spurs come with it with a bit of ambition, um, there's a couple of players I want to mention about selling later on. But those are my right wing suggestions. Don't know about you. So I've got one, mm. and it's a player that came came about. You know, people started really listening to this guy in the World Cup in 2018 uh, when he scored on the first match day against Germany. Yeah. And it's Hervin Lozano mm. from from Napoli and I think he's 25 years old. He's got uh, I think he's got nine nine goals, two assists in the, in the Serie A at the moment, which is triple any other of Spurs' players right now that isn't Son or Kane. It's triple Gareth Bale's. It's tri- yeah, so if we're looking at that right wing position, it's triple Gareth Bale's and it's triple of Lucas Moura. Yeah. Both who play off the right. Um, and I mean, we can just forget about Lamella. Um, I think for me, Lozano brings a lot of, of flair. He brings a lot of quickness, something that Gareth Bale is not bringing at the moment. 
dribbling ability. He's agile. His balance is on point. He's probably one of the most exciting players in the Serie A at the moment. He's 25, which means he's not reached his prime yet, which means if Spurs were to you know, jump now, they could get his prime years. Yeah. And you, know, you, know, you look at where Son was when he first signed. He wasn't exactly the world-class striker or you know, left winger that we thought he was, you know, that, that, that you know, he, he blossomed into. Now look at where he is. I think under under Jose, I think I think it could be potentially be a Jose type of signing. You yeah. know, right winger that can dribble, cut inside and score. You know, I think he could create a lot of trouble for a lot of left backs in that position because of his dribbling ability, because of his pace. And I think that once you get into the box, it's only a matter about finishing. And you know, you look at these right wingers that are have what Lozano has without that finishing ability. You look at Adama Traore, you have a look at Alan St. Maximan, all these exciting players that people are raving about because of their dribbling and pace. But then Lozano adds in that factor of being able to finish and score. So yeah. I think that that could be a very dangerous trio up top. See, it's interesting because out of the players we've mentioned, let's say that you have a a signing summer of Diego Carlos and Herving Lozano. Let's say... I have um, Skriniar and Leon Bailey, for example. Both of those combinations are nearing around anywhere between 80 to 100 million. And if we have a look and compare that to the summer they've just had, they did spend just under 100 million, but they were able to bring in eight players for, for, for vary, varying fees. One thing I think the thing the, the stigma that Spurs have to break is being not being afraid to to bring in less players because they filled a lot of gaps this summer, which was good. They filled a lot of gaps they had, and for good fees, well, they they bartered and they haggled just like you know um, they they, they or Spurs are gonna do. You know, they're just just like how they've been doing for quite the, for the past few seasons, whether that's their through their wishes or not. But just spend, uh, spending a hundred million on two players and, and eight. I think Daniel Levy is going to be a little bit deterred by that on face, but I think he could do it. They need some Galactico players. But they can get that money back. And overall, it could be like a, a loss of maybe... They could actually even that out, let's be fair, with some players that they could sell. They could even it out. I think, obviously, a lot of people, that their two most um, valuable assets are 100% Kane and Son. And, Untouchables. Untouchables. And, and every, every season, it's like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if Kane, I wonder if Kane. Not so much Son, but uh, still, you know, could be interesting from Son. But every season, it's more talking about Kane. But I think, obviously, he's priority number one. You, you've got to keep him at the club. But if you're looking at players who could potentially be shifted, I'm sure we could go through and start picking apart loads of players in that team. But I've gone for two priority players, which I think could free up a little bit of money and average them maybe spending like half of, of what we originally said. By selling Deli Alley to a PSG, I think you, you could get around 35 to 40 million, maybe 50. Um, and I think Eric Lamella as well is another player which he has actually played full spurs. He has been getting some games, which is quite strange to see him in that side. And he's even playing a lot of his games in, in the center uh, as almost like a 10. Um, but around 15 million, I think, could be could be recouped from him. And, and that could make a huge dent off their summer signings. Yeah, I think I think that that yeah, I was going to go for those two as well. Um, yeah, you look at Deli Alley, they could probably squeeze about fifty million out of PSG. I mean, they're willing to overspend on anyone. Let's be honest. So yeah. they've got the money. Why not? Um, and Lamella, he yeah, he's providing nothing in terms of game time. Yeah, he provides depth in the cups, but 
if we're looking at strengthening in that right winger position, we're bringing in, you know, either Leon Bailey or if we're bringing in Herbin Lozano, he's not going to be needed at all. And yeah, we've got the depth. Sergi, you know, Bergwijn is still there. People seem to forget yep. that Bergwijn is still at the club. And I think that that's, that's key to, 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 to note that they still have that depth because he can play right wing or left wing. He can play off both yep. flanks. So either way, I think that it's it's they've still got a strong team. I think they could even sell Lucas Mora. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it, 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 there's definitely legs behind it. I mean, we'd love to know some of your guys' opinions um, of of who or, or what Spurs could potentially do to progress. But we did have an interesting little segment to add to the end of this, didn't we? We did ask um, some of our followers over on our Instagram account um, some opinions of Spurs, and I think you have those opinions. Uh, Reese to kind of share with uh, share on the podcast. Oh, I do, and I have uh, quite a few actually. So the first one I'm going to do is uh, one of our resident guests and uh, lovely men, the King of Tamworth himself, Sam. Uh, you know, lo- lovely, lo- lovely man. Uh, he just says uh, that Spurs are frustrating, um, <laughs> and I can't argue with him there. Thumbs you know, up. As as a Spurs fan himself, very. I think we've heard from a couple of Spurs fans here. And uh, and three former guests of, of the show. So uh, our next one is uh, an avid uh, fan of the average pundits, uh, Sam Skirving, who always uh, in, you know, interacts with our our stories. So Sam underscore Skirving, he's actually put three parts to this. Yeah. So I'll read it out in full. Uh, As a Spurs fan, uh, there's been times this season where I've been seriously thinking we can win the league, and then other times. Like we, like we can even get into, uh, I'm guessing that means like we can't even get into Europe. Yeah. Either way, I think we've shown what we can do when we play as a team. Um, I, think, I think, yeah, if, 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 if Spurs were to be you know, that complete unit, they're all on the same page. I think there's just a lack of communication in that squad. Yeah. And I think that you know, what, what we've done now, we've, we've shifted some of the dead weight that's not needed to be there. Some, you know, Deli Ali just screams bad. Oh goodness me, that was a voice cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, shifting the dead work. You know, Deli Ali just screams bad vibes for me. We're keeping that in, by the way. I That's fine. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm more than happy for that. <laughs> um, we're shifting the bad vibes in Deli Ali. We're shifting dead weight in in Lamella. Potentially Lucas Mora, and the net spend could be about what. 20 million pounds for two world-class players yeah. so either way i think sam you, you i think you've got a very good opinion there you know when they're playing as a team where i don't even think jose knows he's knows his strongest 11 and we're all we're over halfway through the season so um we'll go to the next one the gaffer uh manager of starbridge ladies uh harry harry o'neill uh lovely man love, i love harry i wish you get him back on lovely um, so he says uh, he loves Jose, as we all do, and uh, but negative and off-ball football is outdated and won't win titles. Joe, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, Jose Mourinho criticism, you can, you can find it anywhere you look now. Um, his old mentality was what made him so great. You know, he, he, he won countless titles at, at huge clubs all over Europe, but he's, he's walked into a completely different job at Spurs a completely different team to what he's used to, a completely different status to what he's used to. Spurs are a big club in the UK, but they're not a big club with, you know, 
masses of trophy history behind them and there's no clear path going forward one minute it looks like they have it the next minute they, they, they don't so I, I totally agree with uh with with, with there he's definitely a man knows what he's on about in terms of uh tactics so very good inclusion uh, on to the next one we have 34r1e and maybe that spells earl in high, mm-hmm. you know in sort of numbers good old earl thank you for the for your suggestion and your answer actually uh it goes as follows and i quote uh they had a good start uh, <laughs> bunch of bottle jobs though uh, <laughs> going to be hoping they get into the Europa League next season uh, I can't help agree to that at this point, the, the rate that Spurs are going they had a really good start, they really did and we were talking about them potentially winning the league because Son yeah. and Kane were the duo taking over been the progressive fatigue of those two players and the rest of the team can't produce I don't know what you think about that mm. yeah, well no, uh, 100% um, it's it's just it is genuinely one minute fantastic the next minute completely off the ball which I think is a lot of trend to a lot of these comments that we're we're, we're having on on the podcast in this little segment so I totally agree um, it can all be Kane and Son uh, hopefully some of the players that we've recommended may find uh, a certain chairman at Spurs you never know never know. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of chairman the chairman of the Gloucester accent um, Dominic. Hebron, um, uh, obviously former guest and kind of you know step in host uh, when when it when he can. Yep. So uh, thank you to Dom for all your contributions to the average pundits over the past year. Yep. Um, so he feels hot and cold about Spurs, uh, a great team on paper but poor in execution. And mm. that's kind of this video's. Like, I wanted to end on that because that's kind of this video's entire you know sort of message is that Spurs have a fantastic team, they mm. just don't work together. No. And, and Dom is obviously I've grown up with Dom. Dom's one of the biggest Spurs fans I know, and he, he religiously watches. He attends when he can. Um, he knows he knows Spurs. He knows he knows Spurs. He knows how he likes to see his team play, um, and and he summed up perfectly as we mentioned, hot and cold. And you can't be hot and cold and win titles, can you? Um, they've got a real test coming up now. They've got to end the season strongly. They've got to win a League Cup. They, if they win that League Cup, it could be it could be fantastic. But they will have a a game and a half on their hands against a city team, which are, uh, are starting to be absolutely fantastic again with the players they've got. Um, but again, with this this little segment we've had, it's been very eye opening, especially to hear from Spurs fans. Yeah, it's great, you know, to to have fans come in and speak on their club, you know, and to get you know, obviously the gaffers are a Villa fan as well. Uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to hear different variations of, of opinion. So. Make sure that you're following us on Instagram, The Average Pundits. Go over to our Instagram and check out uh, any stories for, for, for future podcasts. It'll, normally, there'll be a story put up on a Tuesday. Make sure you're interacting uh, and we'll, you know, you'll get a shout out on the, on the podcast. Yes, you will indeed. The Instagram is where we post a lot of our interactive segments. Um, but you can, don't just have to follow us on Instagram. Um, you can follow us on Twitter as well. Instagram, we are The Average Pundits, as well as our Facebook, The Average Pundits. And you can find us on Twitter at Pundits Average, where we post a lot of uh, upcoming news for the podcast and we get interactive in some of the uh, games and comments on, as well that you're seeing in European football and, in, of course, in the Premier League. So um, thank you very much, guys, as always. And if you do want to come on this podcast, you can get a hold of us at theaveragepundits.outlook.com for any potential inquiries, um, any information you may want to know about the podcast. Um, if you listen to this on your favorite streaming services, give us a follow because, um, you know, that's how you'll get all of your updates and that's how you'll be able to take us on the go. And if you're watching on YouTube, the all important like and subscribe, it's so crucial and it helps us to grow. It helps us to keep producing the content that you guys want. Um, it would be absolutely fantastic. We're on like 125 
subscribers right now, which again is is very very promising to see. And you know, we're also nearing on YouTube alone um, ten thousand views on YouTube as a platform, um, which is again crazy to think of. So thank you so much for the support. But um, a lot of growth and a lot of exciting stuff coming in the future, Reese. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're an eight. You know, as you saw on the um, on the Instagram, or if you didn't, go and go and go and follow, and then like the latest post, which tells you that we're an eight an eighth of the way to a thousand subscribers. The goal above our heads, right here, that you know totals how many subscribers away we are. We're at 100, 125 out of a thousand so far. So make sure that we're on the way to storming that goal. It's been an absolute crazy ride so far. Make sure that you are subscribed. Make sure you're following all that good stuff. Make sure you share this podcast with any football lovers and any Spurs fans that you might know in order to get their opinions to comment down below or message us over on social media. Definitely. Very much, very much so. Thank you very much, guys, as always. And we will see you next time. For the latest football content, subscribe to The Average Pundits on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite streaming service and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.